Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Bridging the Gap video podcast series with Tyler and Gary. I'm Gary Cohen, host number one. I'm Tyler Wall, host number dose. We are very happy to have you back with us today. Uh, for many reasons, we've got a great guest, we've got a great topic, but this is also a topic that's near and dear to Tyler and I's heart because we are talking about the implementation of AI, artificial intelligence, in cybersecurity. You may or may not know this. We also work very closely with one of uh, CFE Media's brands, Industrial Cybersecurity Pulse, so we hold this topic close to our hearts like a fragile little bird. Um, happy to be talking about it today. Yeah, Gary and I don't know a lot of things, but if there's anything we do know about, it will be cybersecurity at some length. So we are definitely excited for this topic and our guest and everything related. So We, we also know a little bit about movies and sports, yeah. but that's about <laughs> all we both collectively know about. Uh, today we will be talking about the implementation of artificial intelligence into cybersecurity, which is a fascinating topic. We got a great guest with us, Leslie Carhart of Dragos. Very happy to talk with them again. They've been kind enough to be on the podcast before. Uh, very insightful and, and excited to see see what they have to say about this topic. Yes, and just a quick note about our company and the different verticals we have. Uh, CFE Media Technology is a media group and a technology company, as our name would entitle. Uh, yeah, cover uh, the construction space with CSC Magazine. Uh, we cover automation, PLCs, uh, networking with our control engineering brand, and then plant management and efficiency and maintenance with our um, plant engineering brand. And as we already kind of talked about with uh, industrial cybersecurity pulse, we cover cybersecurity in industrial environments and manufacturing. And so AI has been a really interesting topic for us because anything manufacturing, anything industrial, anything operational technology, AI is being implemented at this point. So we think this is a really, a really interesting topic. And we wanted to see how artificial intelligence was being used here in cybersecurity and get some really good findings. So we did some research internally, uh, which is what we're basing this on. And then we'll talk to Leslie a little bit later about, uh, about some of this research. But I think some of the big things that we found from the research is, yes, it's being used. It's being implemented almost everywhere. Uh, there's some level of trust in it. It's not a huge level of trust in it at this point. There are some complications to the implementation of it. Uh, and then there are, and we'll get the, uh, to this in a second version of this uh, video series, there are some ethical and legal ramifications that people are still trying to work out. But it's being used. Uh, I don't know that people are fully secure in how they're using it or feel like they're using it well at this point. Yeah. Uh, and then just so you know, with our research, we did talk to a variety of job titles that cut across all of those verticals that Tyler talked about earlier. So this was operational technology engineers, ITOT people, uh, information technology managers, and then obviously cybersecurity specialists. Yeah, and one of the first questions we asked our respondents uh, was just about their familiarity with AI tools and AI technologies. And about 62% of our respondents said that they were somewhat familiar with 20% being not familiar. And the real story here is that um, we were a little bit surprised by that 20% that said that they weren't familiar with it just because, uh, I mean, AI has been kind of the, the big talk of the town for the past couple of years, for sure. And um, so it's just interesting to see that response and uh, get that kind of information. Yeah, and one of the things that they got me about this slide is if you look at it, 
15% said very familiar, 3% said expert. So there is still a learning curve here. There's a lot of people that are still trying to figure out how it's, how it's being used. Uh, we talked to Jeff Winter about this on an earlier version of this podcast video series. And he said that you know when people worry about AI taking your jobs, which is a, a common refrain throughout industries, he said that's generally not the case. What will happen is AI will create new jobs, and there need to be people on the forefront of that who learn the technology, learn how it's being used. But it's uh, there's still a bit of a learning curve that needs to happen. There is. And one of the other questions we asked our audience as well was just about the implementation in their cybersecurity strategies. Uh, 56% said no, it is not implemented at all. 28% don't know. Uh, 16% said that it is already implemented. So we're already starting to see some of that implementation into cybersecurity uh, in a couple different facets, uh, which leads to one of our following questions of where it's been implemented, right, in cyber strategy. The top three are in network monitoring, uh, phishing detection and prevention, and then malware analysis and protection, which with those, it makes a lot of sense, right? It's a lot of recognition, and that's not a word. But, <laughs> no, you know, but I like yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. We know what you meant. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> recognizing uh, threats as they're coming in and having sort of that watchdog uh, mentality of, you know, protecting the home, in this case, protecting the plant and uh, different industrial environments and just being on the lookout for those threats. And one of the things we talk about a lot on the Industrial Cybersecurity Pulse podcast, plug, is uh, is how AI is being used by both sides. It is being used by the attackers and it is being used by the defenders. The attackers are using it in a number of different ways. Uh, one of the most common ways right now is to create sophisticated social engineering attacks. Uh, things that the, the typical... Uh, Nigerian prince email that people used to get. Please send me your money, and it'll. Well, I don't remember what that one was. I don't even remember what the. But it, it was a Nigerian prince. Um, but now you are starting to get emails from people you know that you're. You may be, you know, friends with your your child friend's parents, uh, who are sending you. Yeah, we were at this event together, and here's a link to a photo shelter account. They're starting to look. Uh, a lot more polished, the grammar is starting to be better, they're harder to detect. And then, as Tyler mentioned, the defenders are using them for all sorts of things, whether that's malware analysis, whether that's phishing detection. Mm -hmm. So we're finding ways it can be used, but it's really cutting across a bunch of different tasks. And is helping, we've, we've discussed this before, helping routinize a lot of tasks that cybersecurity specialists are going to go blind looking at code, and, and yeah. this is something that, that AI can do a lot faster and more efficiently. It is, and one of the other interesting spots on this, too, is the incident response section uh, is at 19%. It was one of the lower-rated response sections, uh, sorry, uh, spots of data that we got, which is interesting because our expert that's coming on, Leslie Carhart, uh, they are the technical director of ICS Cybersecurity Incident Response. So they'll be able to give us some more insight into what the future of AI implementation in incident response will look like maybe in the next couple of years. So we'll get a little more information on that. And I think there always will be, and we'll get into this a little bit deeper in the research, a marriage between humans doing this work and AI helping yeah. with the work. And I think that's something that Leslie will probably speak to. Yeah. It's going to have to be both of those yeah. things. Your jobs are safe. Your job, yes, says Tyler. Um, we also asked about the effectiveness of AI in cybersecurity. How would you rate the effectiveness? Um, uh, this one, I think, was a telling slide. If you look at it, uh, 85, a little bit more than 85% said it's either somewhat effective or very effective. So people who are using it are seeing some benefit from it. Uh, there were 7% who said it's except exceptionally effective. Only 7% said not effective. Mm -hmm. So when this is being implemented, people are finding uses for it. This is not surprising. Um, 
AI is coming. I mean, it really doesn't matter what industry you work in. It is going to start touching that industry. Uh, so it, it is going to be part of cybersecurity. Uh, so it doesn't surprise me that, that that small percentage said that it wasn't effective. Yeah. Uh, we also talked about integrating AI technologies into OT cybersecurity. How challenging has it been to integrate these technologies? And this is, I think, a pretty telling slide, which is it's been challenging. Uh, 55% said very challenging, 30% said somewhat challenging, 4% said extremely challenging, uh, only 11% said not challenging, which kudos to you, 11%. Um, but it is something that people are trying to figure out right now, and it is causing, causing some challenges in the workforce, trying to figure out where it works, trying to get it to uh, complement systems. Mm -hmm. And I think this can be especially tricky with OT because you're talking about oftentimes Machines on the plant floor that have been doing a job for 20 years, legacy systems, and trying to figure out how OT can help protect those, I think, is that integration aspect will be a little bit of a challenge. It is. And we can, I mean, yeah, 89%, like you kind of just said, say that it is challenging. Um, and part of that, too, is just because, I mean, the concept and premise of artificial intelligence at the scale that we're seeing right now is relatively new. So, I mean, automation's been around, and artificial intelligence on some level has been around, but we've seen such a leap so recently that um, it makes sense that it is still a little bit challenging to see how we can make this all kind of work together. Um, but as the years progress, I'm sure we'll see that, that number start to change. Exactly. And, and while Tyler and I are happy to keep yammering endlessly about topics that we have shallow knowledge on, probably better to bring in the expert to tell us what we need to know. I agree. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, Leslie will be on here. And just so you know a little bit more about them, uh, Leslie Carhart is, as I already said, the Technical Director of ICS Cybersecurity uh, Incident Response at Dragos, leading response and proactive hunting for threats in customer ICS environments. They are retired from the U.S. Air Force Reserves and are an in-demand speaker and dedicated teacher. We're here with Leslie Carhart. Uh, Leslie Carhart is the director of ICS Cybersecurity Incident Response at Dragos, leading response and proactively hunting for threats in customer ICS environments. They're retired from the U.S. Air Force Reserves and are a very in-demand speaker and dedicated teacher. Leslie, thanks for sitting with us. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. <laughs> I noticed that Tyler threw in a very in-demand <laughs> speaker there. Yeah. Uh, diving right in here, um, especially this first part, I know we're talking a lot about implementation. So uh, what has your interaction been with AI up to this point and in and out of cybersecurity? Yeah, so AI is kind of this ambiguous, imposing buzzword right now that's being thrown around everywhere in sales and in technology. And really where you see it today is in our tooling for cybersecurity, first of all, in terms of machine learning and algorithmic detection of bad stuff. Mm -hmm. So statistical deviations from the norm, correlations between different events, so a lot of math, basically. Machine learning usually involves big data and a lot of mathematics to get to a result, to figure out what's most common, least common, what stands out statistically, the, the things that are outliers, because those can be interesting to detect bad stuff. So that's where you've seen, up until now, a lot of so-called artificial intelligence, which is, again, primarily machine learning stuff, which is using computers to typically detect computer stuff on a big scale, bigger than our human brains can necessarily do it quickly. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, with a lot of the stuff, it's easy to 
easier to tie a story to something, right? Mm -hmm. So can you tell us a story about how AI has impacted your career and in cybersecurity and how you've seen it kind of evolve a bit? So it's always been there in the background in the last decade of me working in cybersecurity for those mathematical applications that are from an objective, you know, when you're throwing around a buzzword like AI, artificial intelligence, kind of boring. But they're very important. Again, correlations of a lot of data. And in cybersecurity, we are dealing with a lot of data. Detections, behaviors, emails, people using their computer in different ways. That generates a ton of forensic information. And it's very, very difficult as a single human being or even a small team of humans to go through all that stuff and find what's abnormal. So we've always had computers doing that kind of stuff, but now we're starting to see adversaries leverage those tools too, and that was kind of an expected thing. It's a constant cat and mouse game between defenders and attackers. And we see the attackers leveraging those same tools to manipulate and process data. We're also seeing, seeing things in the terms of um, like ChatGPT being used in attacks because it's good at generating computer stuff in a very general functional way. So what we've seen in the industrial space is attackers starting to explore generating malicious configurations for industrial equipment they might not personally understand because that data is out there floating on the internet somewhere. How to do the ladder logic for various systems, how to program various processes to do things that are nefarious. That information's all out there in bits and pieces and what a computer can do in a, in a faster way than a human being is combine those together in a functional way. So we do see people starting to look at, hey, can we tell this process to do something nefarious without actually knowing how to program the PLCs in that process ourselves? And that's, that's a very legitimate use of, again, computers are good at doing computer stuff. And in that case, like the chat GPT type applications are good at generating computer code in a way that's functional from all those bits of data floating around. That's a really interesting uh, point that you brought up because we were told a lot that you know it's it's hard to attack OT because you've really got to have a specific knowledge of the system and you know these skaters and HMI like you need to understand how they work. Is this leveling the playing field a little bit? Is AI making it easier for someone to attack these things because they don't need to have the specific industry knowledge? That is such a fascinating question. I think there's a, a confluence of things right mm -hmm. now that are lowering the barrier to entry mm -hmm. in industrial cyber attacks. Part of that is the normalization of processes and technology in OT. People are using a lot of the same PLCs from the same manufacturers, the same errors across verticals. So there's a more normalized, homogenous attack surface. And we also see these sources of information, both AI-based and just repositories on the internet that are making it easier for people to learn how to conduct attacks against processes. And really the challenge has always been if our audience doesn't necessarily understand this, the challenge hasn't been, it's hard to program a PLC. You can go out and learn how to do that tomorrow. The challenge is processes are complicated. Generating power is complicated. Distributing power and oil and gas, very complicated. And understanding how to tamper with those processes in a way that actually cause an impact is very hard. But again, with those confluence of things that are happening, it's getting a little bit easier to do those types of things. Well, what do you see as the most effective use of AI? It's kind of a loaded question, but effective use of AI in cybersecurity moving forward. At least right now, what do you think the most effective use is? So you've called in the, the AI cynic here. And I'm very, <laughs> Which very is why cynical. we brought you yes. in. So, so I apologize to the audience and to you, but here's what I, if I could convey one thing to an audience about AI and machine learning right now, is it is a tool. 
Think of it like a screwdriver. You don't use a screwdriver to hammer a nail. You don't use a screwdriver to open a, a pipe in your house, I hope. <laughs> you use a screwdriver for screws, please. Um, and it's the same with machine learning and AI. Again, they're good at certain things. They're good at creating uh, corroborations and statistical analyses of data. So combining a bunch of data from various sources and creating a result that's statistically normalized. That's what all of these tools are doing. So when you have an application where you want to look at a really big set of data and maybe get a result that is common and average and normalized for that set of data or identify statistical outliers, AI or machine learning are great for that. But they're not this, this people think of them as this cure-all, magical thing that's going to fix all our problems in cybersecurity or generate all our problems in security. And that's not what it is. It's just one tool in our toolbox. So I guess the flip side of that question is, what are some of the challenges or risks that you can see with deploying AI in OT environments? Yeah, there's a lot of ethical concerns with the use of, of machine learning and AI right now. Um, as I mentioned, it's a confluence of data. And the big question is where that training data that the AI uses to collect data is coming from. And what we've seen a lot of people do who are, who are doing research into this really hot topic is go out and just scrape the internet. Copyrighted, not copyrighted, personal data, people's personal photographs, all of those things are getting pulled into these because it's the hot new thing to do is see what you can do with machine learning and artificial intelligence. And laws and ethics and copyrights, eh, we're just going to kind of throw them to the wind. So the first thing is the ethical use of them and where their training data is coming from and whether we're just using a bunch of stuff that's stolen and what that means for the people who's data and code and writing and photos are being taken into those systems and used in other stuff. And also from a attack perspective, as we generate these tools that again, lower the barrier to entry, they're going to get misused. It has always been very, very hard to teach the ethics of creating potentially um, adversarially used things to engineers. Engineers want to create. There's this hot new thing, and it's exciting, and it's a new frontier, and they want to build something new. And they don't always think about the ways that the thing they're making can be misused. And that's what we see with these new models for machine learning and for artificial intelligence, is they're being horribly misused. They were a cool thing, and that you could do a lot of neat things with them. Again, they're a tool in your toolkit, and they're very useful for processing a lot of data. But at the same time, they can be misused to do terrible things like deepfakes and creating malicious PLC code to make water treatment facilities do the wrong thing. So we have to be cognizant of that as we're creating these tools. On your first point, I think that's really interesting because, and we'll have a deeper talk about the ethical ramifications of, of this in our second video, but we see it on the content side as well. The New York Times recently sued ChatGPT because GPT was using their content to train its algorithm. And yeah, I mean, we see it all the time where, and also as a society, we're pretty good at freely giving large corporations our information. Oh, absolutely. Here are my images, and here's my content, and here's all of my info, which mm -hmm. can lead us down a really dangerous path because, yeah, these AI systems are gathering all of that information yeah. for future use. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so another important part of the conversation moving forward is going to be about that human interaction between human cybersecurity practitioners and AI itself. So how do you envision that collaboration taking place in uh, responding to incidents in OT environments? 
So think about all the things I just talked about that it's actually good at. Machine learning, AI, chat GPT, they're good at taking a bunch of data and creating a normalized result. So how did the most, the majority of people answer the question of should we put pineapple on pizza? If you go out and you ask ChatGPT, should we put pineapple on pizza, it's going to go scrape all the data it can from its training data, and it's going to say, what did people say the most? And we're going to create a normalized answer based mm -hmm. on that. Do people like pineapple on pizza, or do they hate it? And that's going to be the answer. Mm -hmm. So think about that from a cybersecurity perspective. What's that good for? Well, it's good for, for instance, how should I handle this odd thing? Well, how did the last 200 people handle it? What did most people do, and was it successful? I don't have to go through 200 results there myself and try to find them across the internet because that tool is doing it for me. Same with writing, say, signatures for our detection platforms, Yara rules, uh, Snort and Suricata rules, uh, things in Zeek. We can use those tools to help us write those detection rules because, again, it's going out there and it's going through a massive set of data and saying, what did most people do before? How did they handle these various segments of the problem before? Let's put that together. And that can be a very useful tool. Again, that saves you a lot of time, but you have to understand what your tools are doing. And that's, that's one of the things that con concerns me the most about the abuse of the term AI right now in cybersecurity, in industrial and otherwise, is people are just throwing that term and that magical concept at all their problems. And that's always been a problem in cybersecurity. You can't just throw a magic box at things and hope it's going to fix security. You have to understand what your tools can and cannot do and where they'll fail. It's so important. Well, one of the things we've talked about with other people about AI and cybersecurity is, is kind of a lack of ex expertise. There's a lot of people, like Tyler and myself, who have a surface level knowledge of AI, but don't really have a deep understanding of how it works, and now it's being deployed more and more. What are the necessary skills that uh, an OT cybersecurity professional, an OT engineer, should or need to have to, to really be able to use As AI well? As I said previously, you don't, need to be, you don't need to be a computer science expert, but you mm -hmm. have to understand what your tools and can and cannot do. And that's very, very challenging because salespeople are always going to try to sell you the moon. When you go to RSA, when you go to Black Hat, the sales booths are going to tell you that their magical AI tool can do everything. And you have to have some practicality and cynicism about that. You have to go say, let's test this out in our environment. Let's see how it actually functions. Let's understand that no tool is perfect. There will always be false positives and false negatives. And let's try to understand what this tool can and cannot do for us in reality. And if you're working with a vendor where they can't explain that to you, if they can't explain what their tool does and where it will fail, that is a massive red flag that you should realign your priorities and revisit why you're doing business with this company. Any company worth their salt should be able to tell you what their tool can and cannot do and the, the methodology for how it does what it does, not just it's AI and it's going to fix everything because nothing is just magically going to fix your security. Mm. Obviously, your field is incident response. So how have you seen AI impact incident response? Or are you guys using it at Dragos? How is it being used out there? As I mentioned, we've been using various types of artificial mm. intelligence for a very long time in cybersecurity, and it's definitely gained sophistication and capabilities over time as computing resources and machine learning in general have advanced, and I've gotten to see that across my career for the last decade and a half. Um, and again, most of that is processing lots of data. Again, we're dealing with lots and lots of data in cybersecurity. People are complicated. 
Computers are complicated. What people do in computer networks is complicated. And the level of forensic information you get out of all that stuff and the number of security tools we have deployed across our computer networks and our cloud environments today make it very challenging for human beings to track everything and correlate it all. So as we've gotten more and more data out of our security tooling and our environments, we've needed computers to look at the computer stuff more and more and more. And that does have an impact. What we've seen, a really shocking change we've seen is in like 2011, when we first coined the term advanced persistent threats or APTs, you know, talking about state-style ad adversaries that were doing sophisticated attacks against organizations, a lot of those attacks were very code-based, very malware-based. Um, but as we've deployed these more sophisticated detection tools, computers are good at detecting computer stuff. So these modern tools, especially using machine learning, are great at picking up like weird malware, but what they're not particularly good at picking up is like human beings doing stuff. Um, humans are better at detecting human stuff and computers are better at detecting computer stuff. So you can see the impact of these machine learning advances because adversaries had to move to more human-based stuff because their computer stuff is getting detected more and more by machine learning models and detection tools. Yeah, we got one more question for you here, um, and it's an important one for sure. What is something you wish more people knew in the industrial cyber industrial cybersecurity space about AI? I'm going to recap something again, and I apologize for that. And again, it's a screwdriver. It is one tool in your toolkit. If there's one thing you take home today as you go to these conferences and you talk to salespeople, Again, it is a wonderful tool at what it can do, and it's, it's advancing all the time, and there's new interesting uses of AI for, for both attackers and defenders, unfortunately, for attackers as well. Understand what it can and can't do, because if you're afraid of something or you think that it's infallible, that's where you fail. And I assume you don't see in a future a world where the human element goes out of this. There's so many people always do the that rallying cry of, hey, I is going to take our jobs, but yeah, this seems impossible. I want to live in Star Trek too. I want to live in Star Trek too, in some utopia where people don't have to work. That sounds wonderful. But there's so many layers of complexity. We're so far from that right now. We're so far from the Isaac Asimov robots that act like humans. Mm -hmm. Right now, AI, ML, they're machines, and you can't try to put a human face on them yet. They just aren't that, even if they look like it from the outside, chatbots, things like that. They can emulate humans, but they do not think like humans. They are not humans. They do not feel. They do not create novel new things. So again, just be cognizant that it is a limited tool, but it's a wonderful tool. Use it in the right places. Use it where it helps you the most. Leslie, we love having you on. We love mm -hmm. talking to you. Thank you so much for, I mean, it's like the third time you've talked to us and we haven't scared you away. So thank you for coming back. It's an absolute pleasure to be here in Chicago with you. <laughs> love it. Thanks so much for being here. And there we have it. Another great conversation with Leslie Carp. I, I don't play favorites with our guests, but I always appreciate it when we have <laughs> Leslie on. Really insightful, really interesting person. And then we get off camera and we nerd out about nerd culture for like mm -hmm. an hour. Oh, uh, yeah. I know. I really want them to teach us some karate moves maybe next time. Uh, that would be great. But, I, yeah, it was a great conversation with them. And I think one of the best things that they said, too, was just about the comparison of AI as a tool, right, and using it 
as a screwdriver rather than the magical fix for everything. And I think we talked about that a little in the open. It's not going to be the magical fix for everything. It is not going to be something that can work independent of humans. It's not something that's going to produce novel uh, things that have never been created. It is... As Leslie said, an aggregate. It's basically taking the the you know the baseline, the median. It's mm-hmm. it's aggregating from stuff that's already out there. So um, that idea of it being a tool and not the end all be all. Now AI is evolving. It will continue to evolve. It will go other places that we probably can't yet foresee. But as of right now, I think that's a really valuable piece. I agree. And even like to elaborate that analogy further, right? Mm-hmm. Screwdriver turns into an electric screwdriver. Driver. Wow. And then that turns into a drill. You know what that drill still does at the end of the day? That drill still does things with screws. So, I mean, as AI gets better, um, it's important to remember that it is still just a tool and it's going to have a specific purpose. That purpose is not going to necessarily, at least at this point, branch out to the gazillion everything, the, the great fix. So. Exactly. Yeah. No, I, I, I thought there was some great insight there. And, and you know, challenges, what it's effective for. Some of the stuff we talked about in the intro, it's effective for... Doing things humans are not good at. For okay, I, I like I like how simple Leslie made it. Computers are good at doing computer things. Yeah. So, and do you want to do things more effectively that other humans aren't good at? Segway. Yeah. You should go to Control Engineering, our site, ControlEng.com, where you'll find great content just like this. Uh, other videos. Our other Bridging the Gap series podcasts, um, just some great articles about automation, uh, the plant floor, you know, PLCs, cover that a lot, and just you know how to help other experts like you do your job better. And if you just cannot get enough of me and Tyler, and I mean, sure, of course, everybody's having that problem, I'm certain. Uh, well, there are other avenues. This isn't our only podcast. We also host the Industrial Cybersecurity Pulse podcast. Uh, come over there if you're interested in cybersecurity talk. We're talking about all, all things uh, manufacturing, industrial OT cybersecurity. And, of course, if you want to reach us to talk to us, you want to get the next level, right? You don't want to just listen to us. You want to talk to us. You can reach me at twall at cfemedia.com. And I am at gcohen, G-C-O-H-E-N, at cfemedia.com. And until next time, I'm Tyler. And I'm Gary. And this is Bridging the Gap.